You're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo, and I'll be joined by three of my colleagues today, and we're going to be talking about games. We're mostly going to be talking about board games, and a lot of modern board games as well. Uh, I came to this podcast kind of being the devil's advocate of uh, a grown adult who has lost touch with just the fun, the sheer fun and sociability of just recreational board gaming. I'm going to be joined by the head of youth services, Everett, and the head of the circulation department, Kelly, and then one of our new youth librarians, Aaron. And I am not really the gamer here. They are the gamers. They're going to be talking about board games and video games and a lot about the collection of board games and video games that we circulate here at the library. So here's our chat. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm being joined by Kelly from the Circulation Department. Hello. Everett's here from Youth Services. Hello. And Aaron. Hello. From Youth Services also. Aaron, welcome to the library full time. Thank you. So we're here to talk about games of all kinds. I welcomed you all to the podcast because I know that you have some experience in this territory and I do not. And I think that you've just, you've proven to show an enthusiasm for this. Let's start talking about it. The library has board games to begin with. And I think that I'm here as being sort of devil's advocate, I guess, as an adult who has lost touch with games and feels like my Aaron's gasping. You can gasp into the I mic. I am. I am gasping. <laughs> and I feel like my my life is a little less less rich because of it. But can you guys start talking about um, how you've been able to keep games in your life, whether they are video or board games, and what you've enjoyed about that? Well, I really had like a renaissance of video games and board games when I moved out from my parents' house because I had no money and wanted fun entertainment. So I would go to the local library by my house and they had board games and video games. So I started making it a thing. Yeah, I just feel like it's a thing I grew out of. Isn't that bad, guys? I think you kind of come to it on your own level. I've gone through lots of phases in my life. I played a lot of video games when I was younger with my brothers and I'm old. So it was like ColecoVision and then Nintendo. But I guess I always wanted to keep contact with those like adventure kind of stories. A lot of the games that I liked had an adventure quality to them. And when I got my own PC is sort of when I started playing a lot more games. And board games I've actually like renewed interest in learning more about the bigger, more complicated games that are out there now. Because I think a lot of people in our age range are probably still thinking about like Trivial Pursuit and Clue, which are fun, but they're not like some of the games I'm sure we'll discuss here where it's a lot of setup, there's story, there's choices to be made. And uh, I think that's what's kind of lured me back into board games in particular. Yeah, I would say it was sort of like a slow burn into board games where I actually grew up in a family that was heavy card game. So not your I bought a pack of Munchkin cards at your local (laughs) game shop, but actually just a deck of 52 cards, often the games that required multiple decks of 52 cards. And to me, that was normal and everybody did that. And then when I asked my friends, do you know how to play Oh My Goodness? They'd be like, what are you talking about? 
And there was a little bit of, oh, the Monopoly or the Trivial Pursuit, but I didn't have a sense of like all the options that were out there until I was in undergrad. And I spent a summer working in Alaska and there was a, the building manager where I was working had wall-to-wall, ceiling-to-ceiling board games. And it started an employee board game night. First time I played Settlers. And I was like, oh, so this kind of world exists. Okay, I can get into this. And so I get back to the lower 48, and I'm just on the look for games that I might like. Moved on from Settlers to, like Kelly said, to those, there's complicated games. Not necessarily too complicated, but they have intricate stories you like a lot of replay value because there's just so many so many paths you can take in the same game after game and at this point i think i'm just figuring out what types of games i most enjoy and then what types are like really great for playing with friends let's flash back in time do you guys have formative games from from childhood or teenage days be they video or board Yes. Um, like I said, I'm I'm probably I'm Jeff Jeff is probably the closest in age. I'm not to me. far behind. But uh, you know, we had a ColecoVision, which is like an Atari, and we had games and games and games. So I can remember playing like a weird cabbage patch drawing game. My brothers played and these games were like really difficult. My dad famously would you couldn't be in the same room with him if he was playing Qbert because he would just swear nonstop. We had Popeye, all of those. So that system was, you know, pretty early for me. And then a NES game that was like really underrated. You can't find it on an emulator even. It's called Faxanadu that I loved. It was a little RPG and you had a mantra, which was like your save game code. And I loved it. I found a video of it recently and the music is great and it's got all this Nordic like tree of life imagery that I really loved playing. Um, Fax Xanadu. Fax Xanadu. And I will say that my family was kind to me back when I was really little. I'm way younger than my siblings. So we would play Trivial Pursuit and they would hand pick cards so that I had a chance in heck to even be able to answer any of the questions which i thought was very sweet for (laughs) for a not always particularly sweet family they were very sweet to me about being able to play board games so those are my those are my memories for me we didn't do too many video games when i was a kid but the one that i could really remember is being a 90s child pokemon was like the thing so there was many many a summer spent out on the porch with the link cable connecting our game systems together to trade Pokemon. Uh, And I remember those memories very fondly forever. Um, But we did a lot of board games. So we did like the game of life where they had the bowl cut hairstyles because it's like a 70s version of it. (laughs) And that was like the coolest game. Uh, We just all sorts of things like that. And one called Greed was really fun. We had a giant pile of money in the middle. (laughs) And we did a lot of Euchre, too, which I don't know we completely understood the complexities at the time, but it was it was a good it was a good game. Now, you know, we're a Michigan podcast. Euchre has been mentioned. Everett cards, of course. Right. Cards. And 
Speaking of Euchre, Oh My Goodness is a childhood game that I have only met half of a person on the internet is familiar with. <laughs> um, and of course, of course, I follow some board game threads on Reddit. So, um, and so there's occasionally those kind of throwback conversations. Um, but yeah, card games were a big thing. Um, and uh, let's see, like, I mean, spoons. I don't know if anybody remembers spoons. Oh, we played a lot of spoons in high school <laughs> in, in the band room. A lot of strange names for card games. One called Hand and Foot. Not to be confused with the very similar, like, childhood disease, right? <laughs> but, like, and that requires more decks the more people who play, and it gets real out of hand. And Trivial Pursuit, for sure. So much that I thought I was a pro at, like, facts until I realized I had just gotten really good at all the facts in that one copy. Yeah. <laughs> and that I would only, like, fail now if I tried to know what happened in 2010. I really knew what happened in the 80s. Yeah, but yeah. now you have all this librarian knowledge to help you. Right? I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if that would work. But I got into personally into like card games and, and strategy games. I really liked. Um, oh, now I'm going to forget what it's called. Well, I really liked like games like Othello, mm -hmm. um, and which required like strategy and thinking ahead. Did you play oh, Stratego? I knew someone would bring that oh, up. No, my. I do not enjoy Stratego because it is very much like chess and I do not enjoy chess. I don't either. So, okay. no, oh. I have, I have, I know a Stratego enthusiast and I cannot, I just can't get into it. Um, <laughs> I love enthusiasts, so I apologize. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I wish I could like it because I do enjoy I think I enjoyed strategy games as a child more than I do now. Mm. There was one game, and if you know what it's called as I describe it, where it was a card game that had three different types of cards. There was like squiggle shapes, colors, some had stripes, and you had to... It's called set. Set, thank you. I knew it, I was thinking sequence, and I'm like, nope, that's a different card game. Um, I was really into set and I love it. It it's I mean you you play it by yourself and it like I don't know massages my brain even <laughs> as an adult. Yeah, and then video games? Yeah. We also did not really have video games growing up. It's kind of just but we got a Nintendo 64 at some point and I was really into what I think was Wave Surfer. And then the car version of Wave Surfer that was something like America USA or <laughs> USA 100. I can't remember. But um, I thought it was super cool that I could drive real fast and there were no consequences. I A lot of the video games I played in my youth, I look upon now and see them as time-killing video games rather than brain-testing video mm. games. And I know that I feel like there is a difference yeah. between an RPG video game, and Mega Man. One is just killing time. <laughs> what well, wants to be more reflex-based, yeah. I would say. There you go. Speaking of those kind of games, uh, you can kill time playing something like Final Fantasy. And my, <laughs> my middle brother, he's eight years older than me, and we would play Final Fantasy together. But he would play, and I would have like a strategy guide and be like, the treasure's over here, the treasure's over there. And while he was either at work or school... 
I could like level grind, but I was not allowed to advance the plot. You know, <laughs> I was like, like, what, what are you doing? I'm like slave labor over that's, here. Like, that's legitimate though, because my dad would play Fantasy Star, and it was my and my sister's job to just do the grinding out in the fields and plains. <laughs> Where we're going to get into too much trouble and kill his whole party. Right. But also, he didn't have to do it. Right. So he'd come back. I'd be like three levels higher. We'd have enough gold to buy this or that. But I couldn't advance the plot. (laughs) Virtual worlds. I think that there was such a sweet note when you brought up in your youth playing Trivial Pursuit. And I guess that sense of being... Isn't it important to be welcoming to the table for someone who's just trying the game for the first time? Aaron, you have game nights. You must know this. Oh, yeah. But you can't get... You had to kind of com, com, control your competitiveness a little bit. A lot. <laughs> um, no, when we play Uno, I am a monster. Oh, and no. I, it's, it's terrible. Me and my one friend get extremely competitive. There is a family trophy, a physical trophy <laughs> that goes around. We take it very seriously um so when i have game nights it is something i have to to rein back a bit or we play cooperative style board games yes so i have a outsider story being the outsider to a new game which is not a new game it's really old called scategories oh yeah um that just happens to be my partner's family's favorite game even now they just can't get enough of it it's the same copy it's most of the folders are like half broken we literally just have our own template that we print off <laughs> for the for the like to for writing your answers it's just but they've been playing it since like 1985 and i have not I did not grow up with this game and they get real competitive. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, "Yay, I got a couple." And they're like, "I got four double word yes, <laughs> like scores and it just becomes like, I don't know. I'm inherently not a competitive person, but just seeing people get competitive over a very old <laughs> semi mainstream classic board game is is interesting and we're all adults there is no like new kid who's like six and doesn't understand the rules right it brings out the kid in you yes is there still trash talking though to some extent there's usually like um there's always one person i will leave them unnamed who uh presses the envelope of what's an acceptable answer and they're so good at wordsmithing that they just are like but I can explain the reasoning why this is correct and that you cannot disagree with me. And often it just is like you just give up so that we can move on. I, I had a friend growing up then, and I'm one of these very competitive categories people. I will kick everyone's butt at categories. But my friend would make up cities. They'd be like the state plus the word city. And we would just we would fight about it when we we're 14 which is kind of lame, but you know. <laughs> Thank goodness we all have the power of Google now to look it up and right. verify these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a whole other thing. We're talking about a gaming past before the internet. Yes. Mm-hmm. How sweet it was. <laughs> uh, are there games in the last decade or so that you that you all have really enjoyed that have become favorites of yours? And, and can you, you know, think about what it is that you find really engaging and or fulfilling about playing them. 
play. Some of them aren't play. Some of them are really engaging. Some of them are really complex. Play is an interesting verb <laughs> for that. I mean, for me, I've been playing um, Betrayal of the House on the Hill a lot recently. I don't know if, if you guys have played that one. Definitely. Is that a board game oh. or a video game? It is a board game, but it is very interesting in that it starts off where everyone is working together to investigate a haunted house. And you travel through the house, turning over tiles. Eventually, you flip over enough bad omen cards uh, that it turns out, oh my gosh, one amongst you is a traitor and is working with the evil forces within the house to try to stop you or bring you all down or kill you or what have you. Um, so it then becomes a cooperative versus one of your friends kind of a game. And I think that's a really interesting kind of dynamic and it plays. And if you get that card, you have your goal then is to then be deceptive. It is to utterly destroy your friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Going back to the competitive side of me. Um, yes, no, it, you all know at the table who the traitor is. Oh, you do. It's, it's just that person then becomes like, Maybe you become a monster and you have tentacles, or maybe you are the evil witch that is trying to summon a demon in the basement. Or, you know, there's all these different, sometimes tropey scenarios that you can uh, reveal and start playing through. And uh, one player just ends up being the person that's the adversary. What do you enjoy most about it, though? I really like the cooperative nature of it for first 80% of the game <laughs> it's a lot of fun to be exploring the house together and you're all working towards a common goal and you're like you're helping each other out you're like oh here take this advantage thing but then at the same time you're like mm, I gave them this advantage is this gonna come back around on me later and I really like that layer of depth there too mm -hmm. it's, it's made it both a simple to play but complex in terms of narrative and social dynamics kind of a game for me i mean some of these games are so hard that you cannot beat them in a night isn't that a, a thing oh yeah oh yeah we play um eldritch horror which um i know everett plays what's the arkham horror arkham horror so they're like related games eldritch horror first of all takes probably 45 minutes to set up so if to, you to set up folks. if you don't and that depends on how many expansions you have. But if you're dating someone who's a completist, you have all of the expansions. <laughs> um, but, you know, so you don't you're loath to take it down just after one game and winning it is difficult. It's a cooperative game. Uh, you're basically choosing a Lovecraftian monster to fight against and you're trying to keep the end of the world from happening. So it's you, and one of the things I like about it is there's like lots of characters to choose from, especially with all the expansions. So you can pick, you know, people that you think are going to work together well, and we play it with two characters each. So we can have like multiple things going on. Um, but yeah, I'd never played a cooperative game like that before, and I really enjoy it. And there's so much lore in that one. Um, that you can actually sort of create a story um my boyfriend is like he's like oh yeah i like if something weird happens to a particular character that would be like out of character for them he's like i like can imagine the big guy with a stogie having to like 
pull out a sword and fight somebody. And um, you can really go down that path. And we really leaned into it. We bought all these little containers so that our cards were sitting upright. We got some 3D printed things that, you know, all your bits and bobs are <laughs> well sorted. And um, we just kept it up on the kit on the dining room table and played like a whole campaign of games. And they go on for an night after night and you're like excited to get back to it it's it's kind of a cool idea i feel like you could have a podcast just on the boxes these games come in oh yeah and which ones have 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 the ability to store things in which just leave it up to you to figure it out Mm -hmm. um spoiler most of them leave leave it to you to figure out (laughs) I have inherited several of those kinds of games like Zombicide because um, the, there's a bazillion figurines yeah. and then all these giant tiles and expansions. And so the friend who gave it to me ended up giving to me in like this giant box with special foam layers for all the figurines to sort them through and yeah. tell your player figures from your zombie figures. And it, it's a whole art to organizing those. Yeah. We've definitely started 3D printing um, different inclo- like um, sorting enclosures. Uh, a lot of games out there have it. We did it for Codenames Duet, which is like, why? Because uh, it's nice. Uh, it keeps those cards organized. Um, uh, one of the games I want to mention, we are in the works of doing a 3D print for, which is Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which is competitive, but it's super fun. It's historically... Um, it's based it, on a real king, uh, who just, um, I think it was like, it, you know, you think castles and you think 1500s, you know, way back when I'm pretty sure this is like 1800s. Somebody has a lot of money and just wants to build a bunch of castles in the 1800s. Um, and you, it's tile based. You, you get every time you play it, the king demands different things maybe the king just wants a bunch of gardens or a bunch of activity rooms or just a bunch of dungeons you never know or a combination and your goal is to create a castle that the king will like the best so you're the architect um the, and the title is mad king right castles of mad king ludwig yes so these designs could be mad yes mm. yes and i um it, it, it's just a lot of fun. I consider it a really good entry into a new game. If you have people who've never played anything outside of a mainstream game, it's very easy to learn. Um, but it's a lot of fun because you just get all these different permutations. Um, and I, when I think of like what games I like, it depends on my mood. I have just a series of what I call breakfast games which is on a lazy weekend where I'm just having a leisurely breakfast. What game do I want to play? And uh, that often becomes like a two-player game like Codenames Duet or Caper, which is an import game that is like you are managing a bunch of spies um, (laughs) that are like stealing from these like uh, famous places like the Louvre or, you know, Notre Dame or whatever. Just a bunch of famous places around the world. Um, and that changes. It's a card game, so that changes each time you play. Um, but the art is beautiful. 
Um, I really appreciate like the craftsmanship and the illustrations in card games. So that one's really just beautiful to play. And, but one of my favorite board games is Jaws cool. based off the movie. Oh, that's great. And it's just fun. Again, it's really not hard to get into. But it's a very unique um, gameplay um, with unique with the pieces, unique with the board. So it's obviously Amity Island is the board um, for one half of the game. Of course. Because uh, it goes all of the movie. Right. Uh, where they start on the island. And what's interesting is that it's a four person game because obviously there's the three folks on the boat. And there is uh, the shark. The shark. There is Jaws, right? Can we call the shark Jaws? It doesn't get a name in the movie. Yes. I wish I could pull it from my brain, but on the set, Steven Spielberg had a name for the shark. And okay. I, and I think it was Bruce. I think it was Bruce, Bruce. yes. Bruce. Okay, so somebody is Bruce, which I love. Yeah. Um, and it makes me think of Finding Nemo. Hello, my name's Bruce. Can't do the accent. Don't try. So... Um, yeah, so you, you're basically trying to uh, save the swimmers. And it's a very interesting dynamic where the shark, the person who is Bruce, is keeping track of where they're on, in like in the water, but you don't have a visual representation because you, you wouldn't know. Um, but you have all of these mechanics of trying to figure it out. Um, and then there's act two the boat mm -hmm. um, where you get to flip over the board then you're on the boat and slowly if you're doing well or quickly if you're not um, Bruce will uh, like capsize the boat and it will slowly go underwater and you have to get the shark before the shark gets you um, and it, so it's semi-cooperative for sure because you have to have at least I, I don't I feel like it's you have to have at least one person still alive. I don't know if everybody has to be still alive at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and I've played it as the shark, and I've played it as one of the crew, and it's fun both ways. Um, and it's not too hard to explain. Mm -hmm. um, so those are just, yeah, some fun ones. Uh, one I wanted to mention that has a pretty unique gameplay is called Mysterium. Have you guys oh, ever played I that? I love Mysterium. It's on my list. It's um so one person is like a ghost in this house, and everybody else plays like clairvoyance or channelers or whatever word you use. Um, but they're like psychic investigators, I think, is what they actually call it in the game. And so you're trying to find out how this person was murdered and where. So it's kind of like Clue in that way. But the only way you can communicate is with these cards that are just kind of random colors or little items are in them. And you only get three per turn. And if you're being really strict, the person can't say anything at all. But, you know, you can have conversation outside of the game. And it's a really interesting game with different kinds of people. I've played it uh, with family and, you know, some people are very artistic and they kind of get what you're, you know, you have like the connection with your person and other people have right. no idea what you're trying to say. Some people get very frustrated in that environment. Some people, you know, um, my significant other was like, oh, I can't play it as anything but the ghost. I'm colorblind. I don't think that way. Wow. 
but I can use the cards to kind of communicate, but I don't want to have to guess what other people are trying to say. So you have these different roles and the artwork, as we said, I yeah. think this is another theme in modern games is that they really concentrate on the craftsmanship, you know, the figurines it's and the beautiful the cards are beautiful. And, very weird art, but very pretty. Yeah. And there's I think there's an expansion for that one, too. But um, we've played it a couple of times and it's a good it's a good time. There's a lot of like, what did you mean by that? <laughs> like, I have no idea, you know, but you can pick out little things in the cards that you think is going to like really give you. Fascinating. Yeah. It sounds like it's kind of a litmus test for who is left brained and right brained. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And who is well, who understands the other people in the group the best? You know, I felt like my brother and I are very simpatico and we could guess each other's stuff easier than other groups. You don't get this with sorry. You, you, don't, don't you don't get, get it with this. sorry. You don't get this with Monopoly. Maybe you kind of do. I think but. there's more of a shared experience with a lot of these like board and card games and stuff that are geared towards adult audiences, yeah. even more so than you know children's games. Because I think a lot of children's games, there's a lot of just moving pieces around the board to reach a goal mm. versus a lot of um, at least modern adult games that I've been seeing. It's There's a more focus on like what can we do to make this an interesting experience for the players? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although, side note, this is neither here nor there. My favorite game, board game, growing up was not necessarily a move the pieces along. It was a little bit of strategy. It's not anyone no one's heard of. It was Clue. I loved Clue as a kid. It is a good game. It um, is. This is especially a good note. I, mean, I think a lot of the games that we have here in the library are, we have six or seven or eight that are of this ilk, I don't know what the genre is, but it is something that could be engaging to adults. It is something that with great artwork, it is something with a good story. These games have good stories, it seems. They're almost like concentrated choose-your-own-adventure books. Absolutely. I think that's something really great is that you can kind of choose your own adventure. It's almost like maybe it's part of the reason I'm liking them so much and I'm just kind of realizing it now is... What I like about a book that I read is usually the adventure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I like in the games out nowadays is the adventure or destroying my friends, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> if you, let's say you're talking, pretend you're talking to me or any other adult. We carve time out for reading books um, and we carve time out maybe for something healthy like exercising or walking and i feel like not enough adults are realizing that they have this alternative to carve out some time on a weekend for a game and i don't know if there's some sort of stigma that they shouldn't be playing games or if they're just resigned to sit down and see what's on tv what are we missing tell us what we're missing i think it's such a, such a shame because yes. especially after the like lockdown and everything we should be carving up more time together doing together activities and i think board games are such a fantastic way to do that it's if you already own the game it's free so you know there's a plus there mm -hmm. you don't have to leave your house if you're afraid of you know maybe having to sit next to someone in a movie theater or something like that it's a fantastic way to just get together with friends and have a good time doing a together activity and like that human connection is something so important, especially after everything we've gone through with lockdown and COVID.
think that shared premise too like if you're i mean i find as an adult just hanging out doesn't really work anymore like when you're a teenager you know whatever but like having the shared premise of one of these cooperative games or even a competitive game of like okay we're all on the same page we're doing this um i think one of the things that i've enjoyed a lot about getting into board games is and video games too uh i get made fun of a lot because out in my regular life i'm very much a rule follower but in games like if there's a god mode i'm using it like anything that will make like that i can like adapt you know elder horror there's some house rules that we created where I'm like, that's dumb. We're losing too much. It's not fun. Like, <laughs> let's adapt it to like, to make it enjoyable for us. And I think that that is something that like, you know, you have some control over. I won't say I cheat exactly, but yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Well, to speak, Jeff, to what you were saying of like, what might be stopping people from trying a board game I think is that, you know, when you say board games and card games these days, if it and you start throwing out these titles like we're throwing, it just seems like a huge learning curve. How do I know that it won't be too hard or it won't be too easy? And like there's just, um, you know, like a lot of like niche things like jargon around it. And so like. When I try to play with a group of friends, you know, that maybe aren't as an avid gamer as I am, you know, I try to get a feel of like, what are in the mood for? Like, oh, we have the, a game where it's like mystery based. Do you want to work together? Like, and to give the sense that there are actually options. They're not all the same. They're not, some aren't even like turn based. Like they, there's just so many varieties, which can be overwhelming here at the library we can help you narrow that down just like we do for books and i will say that since we added board games and puzzles into the youth area here we have families that just spend hours sitting up setting up a game at a table and sure they don't necessarily understand the game at the beginning but by the end they're picking up a couple and checking them out and taking them home. Mm -hmm. So just giving it a try. And just like I would recommend to somebody when picking out a book, try it. If you're reading it and you don't like it, guess what? You don't have to finish it. Yeah. And I know that's still a hurdle for a lot of people, but I have to read this for a book club or my best friend likes it or I just, I don't know, I liked the other book by this author, but... <laughs> You don't have to finish it. Yeah. And that's the same thing with a board game. You you don't have to finish it, even if you liked it last time and you're just like, nope, you need something new, just try something else. Mm -hmm. and video games are the same way. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I, Skyrim is sitting unfinished on my computer. Can just because you finish it's, it? Is just it like possible? running around is the fun part of those games. And, you know, we focused a lot on the board games, but video games to me, like, there's some games that have such a huge open world. I just want to spend some time there. I don't necessarily yeah. want to solve the mystery or finish the quest. I just want to run around and beat some monsters or talk to this goofy guy or see, can I actually get Geralt to go up this mountain? I don't right. know, <laughs> but we're going to try, you know? Right. Now, right. I think um, something really great about the fact that the library has these video games and board games too is like, Trying something new at a $60 price point for a video game or, you know, board games can go from 20 to 80 or 
more. Beyond. <laughs> um, you know, like that's a huge barrier to entry because who wants to spend that kind of money on something you don't know if you like or not? Yeah. Uh, the ability to like just check it out and even just to dip your toe in and see like, hmm, this is kind of cool or hmm, not my cup of tea. Yeah. That's, I think, a super awesome way to kind of wrangle new people in or just, you know, see if you like something or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to like live uh, comment upon the like the, the degree of benevolence that's involved when you are introducing someone new to a game you have already played. It's going to maybe take them a half an hour to to learn the rules. And for that half an hour, they are technically not having fun because maybe <laughs> they're processing it all and they're getting worried that they won't be able to play it. But then you get into, there's always that moment, a little crackling moment where they get into the groove and you see that they're starting to have fun. But you needed them to learn this for you to now have fun. So yeah. you needed to bring them out <laughs> on the journey. It's kind of like a regular house party a little bit. Like, you know, especially when you're introducing all of your friends to each other for the first time. There's a little bit of a, okay, is this going to work? Are they going to like it, everyone? Is this going to be a good time? Yeah. And then the second, like, you see conversation flowing, mm -hmm. everyone's having fun. Mm -hmm. And you go, ah, exactly. okay, this is awesome. Yep. We can all enjoy this together now. <laughs> I think sometimes games, like a lot of things in life can be like, the, you know, when you were a kid, possibly as an adult, but definitely as a kid going on that amusement park ride for the first time. And you see those people coming down screaming and you're like, I don't know. I, I do I do I want to scream? Is that something that I like? Why am I walking towards screaming? Right. Um, but I'm sure many of us have experienced that you you get there, you go down the, you know, the ride and you're screaming. And when right. you get off, you're like, let's do it again. Right. Yeah. And that's what I find when I know that, like, I introduce somebody to the right game at the right time is at the end. They say, do you want to play that again? Right. Sometimes immediately. Right. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, hey, what are you doing next weekend? Right. Um, and it's also fun when you when you get you get a, like a group of friends who are into gaming and want to like just like explore what other options are out there, and you all try a new game together. Oh, Did this with cool. Wingspan? Oh yeah. oh yeah. Wingspan is one of those games that uh, doesn't have the best box design. So many pieces that just go in a box, mostly. Oh, it has a beautiful cover, though. Oh, it's oh, a beautiful game. It's, a beautiful, it's, a, beautiful beautiful game. it's yeah. a beautiful game already, probably against better judgment, bought an expansion. Because um, you got to get the European birds. You got to get, get all the birds. Um, but it's a beautiful game. And, you know, it's like, I think when you have the right group of people, everybody just takes a role, right? Um, I like to read instructions. I've discovered this, that Same. I'm the person who just loves it. One of my favorite games is basically all instructions, which is the Sherlock board game, yes. which is not a board <laughs> yeah. game. It doesn't even have a board. It's got a paper map and a bunch of books. Yes. Um, in newspapers. Great. And it's. I am so in my element, but I only have one person, I think, who will play that with me because... <laughs> I just pour ever over every single word, wow. the whole game. But I can do that. And then there's people, you know, everybody like, you know, somebody wants to do all the setting up and getting all mm -hmm. the pieces. And it just like becomes from start to finish, cooperative and social. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, got to set up this game. Right. You can have fun, like talking mm -hmm. about the pieces and learning as you go. And I think the best games and the best 
instruction hand like handbooks are the ones that teach you through the first round yeah yeah so you don't set up and then go what did i just read and now we have to start but that you've actually by the time you've learned the game you've played one round Mm -hmm. and then it builds confidence for everybody yes it's also good um they have like those different youtube videos that show people playing the games if I know I'm playing a game with a group and none of us have played it, I'll usually watch that first just because I inevitably am also the rule reader slash instructor. And it basically ends up breaking down to, okay, let's just throw ourselves into the game and Aaron will explain relevant rules as we go along. Yeah, um, there's a, I think there's a, a, a series called How Do I Play? And they'll show you setup and, and I, that's, we lean on that. Both my boyfriend and I are pretty impatient. So we're just like, Ah, Wooly like breaking the pieces out and like watching this person be like, oh, okay. And um, I just find like, like you said, people do kind of get into the roles. It's it's fun to like pop out the pop out the pieces, figure out where it goes. You know, picking your character if it's that kind of game is. Some fun. people love shuffling cards. Yes, I, I am not one of those people, <laughs> but I appreciate them. What I what I what I really like about someone who doesn't play his games as much as as the rest of you, but when I do sit down and learn it, the I'm in a groove now and I'm having fun situation is I don't know if it's different for other people, but it is a light switch for me. It isn't gradually I'm having fun. It just feels like a nice little light bulb yeah. goes on. And I'm like, Oh I got it. It's so fun. Yeah. No, I think it ends up being a lot of like processing the rules, processing the rules, and then you can kind of see it in someone else's face yeah. when they finally figured yeah. it out because they're so like, aha, right. and they play a thing or they do a special move or something that's got like, you know, good strategic value or something. And you're like, oh, they've now clicked in and yeah. they they get what's what. The first round of Eldritch Horror where you don't have to go, oh, is this phase three? Uh you know, <laughs> yeah. When you don't have to use the character like cheat sheet that tells you like what, yeah, what phase or round or step in the round that you're right. in, you know, you've achieved something. Yes, oh, yeah. it's just internalized now. But that that's a that's a key word. There is a sense of achievement, I guess, with a lot of these games. Oh yeah, and that is that is a boost of endorphins when you get that feeling of achievement. I will say there are games out there that are the equivalent of a fluff read. You know, when you just want to read a book that just, I don't know, liquefies your brain and you aren't thinking about anything important for as long as you're in that book. There are games like that. One of my favorites for when I just like, I want to be entertained, but I don't want to think. It's called Morels. It's also a beautiful card game. Morels are a type of mushroom. That's right. It is literally you foraging mushrooms and cooking them in a little cast iron skillet to to what? I can't even tell you the goal of the game really because you're like having so much fun. If there's any Zelda fans out there, you know, and you, uh, if anybody's played Breath of the Wild, you know, that little clinkity clink 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 sound. Uh, and he, whenever you get really excited about cooking, I love that sound. I, it's exactly like that. You're just cooking the whole time 
And sure, you're competing against the other person playing. Right. But aren't you just trying to collect the funnest or co- like be- like the most colorful mushrooms? Maybe I'll get all of the night mushrooms this time. Or maybe I'm going to really try to get that expensive chanterelle. Like, and it's just, <laughs> it, it really just becomes about entertaining yourself. And at the end of the game, you're just like, wow, I wow. like feel more relaxed. We wow. call those uh, Friday night brain dead games you, you know because it's been a long week at work and you're like i don't have the mental capacity we'll play uh, one called meow it's literally a stack of cards and one of them has a cat on it and everyone has to go around convincing the others if they are the cat or not and you're trying to suss it out and it's just making meow sounds <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's both complex and also completely not and ends up just being a whole bunch of shenaniganry uh, without having to think hard in the slightest. Do we have any more uh, video games or what else do you have got Kelly? Um, There's one I kind of fell in love with but I guess like for me one of the things I'll say about being an adult gamer that kind of had a gap is that games are really hard now. Video games there's a certain like they call them Souls-like games or Metroidvania games that are, like, purposely very, very hard. They're out to kill you. And I, like, can't get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this game, Hollow Knight. It is nearly impossible. I had to... My my boyfriend is a competitive gamer when he was younger, and he was throwing the controller across the room. Like, it was so hard. But it's so beautiful, and the parts of it that are, like not preposterously difficult or really fun to be in but i think that's a thing out there that like if there's something that's too hard there's also like millions of games find something that is like cooking the morels or like i loved the witcher that's not much of a hot take everybody (laughs) loved the witcher 3 like but that's a world that you want to go and exist in or play Skyrim, who cares if it looks pixely now? Or even <laughs> you can, you know, I have the Switch. If you have Switch Online, there's all these old Nintendo and Sega Genesis games. If you loved Ninja Gaiden, go play Ninja Gaiden. Like, it doesn't have to be this, like, I got this and I did a speed run and, you know, um, yeah. it's fun yeah. if you want to do that. But if you are old and just want to have a good time, um, there's one I played called uh, Bloodstained that's kind of Castlevania-esque, but it's a new game, but it looks like the old game. And there's lots of swords and things to collect. There's cooking in that one where you cook a particular meal and it gives you these points. And it was so bonkers, but like doable, mm-hmm. that we just had a grand old time playing it. And that's what matters yep. at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, saying, something that you mentioned earlier was like, how some games are just hard. It made me think of too, like sometimes, especially as an adult playing video games, you are playing something and then you get sidetracked to play a different game and you forget the controls. Everett and I were actually talking a couple I'm days ago. I'm the biggest culprit <laughs> of, of putting down a game like you put down a book and then a whole year goes by and yeah. you realize you didn't finish it. And you forget the controls, yep. which is this. We tried to come worst. back to Hollow Knight and it was like, and then we're like switching and it's like, wait, why, why the Y button should be like me swinging my sword? Like, yeah, not in this game, man. Nope. Like, <laughs> so I think I've been getting into the um, old point and click adventure games again recently because yeah. uh, they've been re-releasing 
um, the Monkey Island games oh, made by really? LucasArts. Oh, yes. They have added voice work and new artwork. We can also toggle back to the old version if you want to do that. And those are just, I think, a fantastic way to spend an afternoon. You could do it by yourself. Or I like to play with, you know, one of my siblings or my parents even or whomever. And because it could be either single or a shared experience. And it's just a nice at your own pace kind of mystery puzzle kind of a game mm -hmm. situation. It's, that's refreshing. I was going to bring up point and click adventures too, because they, there are some really good classic ones that I didn't play as a kid, but have been exposed to as an adult and they're still really fun. You have to keep, you have to realize, I don't know. You have to be okay with, I guess that's, there are stereotypes. There are things that just wouldn't be in a game now. Um, you might still, you might be nostalgic about it and love the mechanics and you just want to revisit, like you just revisit that same book or that same movie or that same game again and again. Um, but if you're like, oh, I just can't, I can't like suspend the fact that there's this questionable thing in this game that I used to love so much. There are new point and click games that A, either try to look retro like Thimbleweed Park, which is hilarious. And if you were a, if you played all the LucasArts games and you um, played, um, you know, a bunch of those point and click adventures, they reference all of them. Oh, that's funny. And there's Easter eggs everywhere and it's and it's just but it's but it's super fun on its own um if you like i don't even know if this is a genre but there is a, if you like cerebral point and click adventures that exists in the form of kentucky route zero um okay. which is a game that we did pick up and drop many times partially because they they published it in acts um and so we started it before the whole game was completed oh so we had to wait for the next acts to come out but let me tell you it was so worth it and it's this this it's a minimalist color palette of like blacks and browns um and sort of angular stick figures um i mean they're they're fl more fleshed out than that um but, and it's a bit of a choose, you know, choose your own adventure where you get to choose between different dialogues and it'll send your characters in different directions. But you'll spend the whole game being like, what is this about? And you have to finish it to find out. You just, it, it compels you. But it's also like one of those, I don't know, I can get sucked into Witcher 3 for like five hours, mm -hmm. right? This game, you probably will be like, ah, an hour was good. You know, like it it was intriguing enough. It was different enough. But now I feel a little bit existential. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go play some Mario Odyssey to just fluff yeah. my brain back. Um, but there's just all types of all types of games out there. Well, I'm sorry to say we're almost out of time. We'll have to have an expansion <laughs> and do a game sequel podcast. Does anyone have closing thoughts or anything we didn't touch on yet to wrap up? Um, I wanted to kind of bring up the idea that there are some board games that you can play solo, Oh, which was oh, yeah. an important thing to me it, during the pandemic because I do live alone. I had contact with people that, you know, whatever, but 
that is when we started seeking out those Sherlock games that Everett was talking about because you could do it by yourself. Um, and I've, you know, discovered more games like there's one, um, a series called Chronicles of Crime and you play, it's got a board and cards and everything, but you use a smartphone to scan QR codes on it and you can play it by yourself. You can play it with a group. And I think that that's a really kind of a cool innovation um, that a lot of board games have are including that ability to play by yourself. I guess you could technically play Eldritch Horror by yourself, but that seems like a lot. <laughs> but I, you know, and video games I think are often also seen as solo games. So the flexibility in some of these formats has been like kind of eye-opening to me. Like, you know, even a solo video game kind of passing the controller back and forth yep. or or playing a board game meant for a group by yourself when you're just kind of in the mood to solve a crime and i've definitely played the chronicles of crime i had the 1400 one which is like medieval and um i went through all the missions that they had included and donated it to the library but i just found out you can like buy new missions i may have to borrow it and like do some new ones <laughs> with it awesome Oh, speaking of solo games, we didn't talk about puzzles. Oh man! But puzzles, I mean, they're—I don't know if I—I I don't know if I should call it trendy, but I can definitely say there's an increase of like people saying, "I just got a puzzle. I haven't done a puzzle in ten years," and uh, all ages. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, you might think puzzles and think a thousand pieces, and where where am I going to put that? And you know, oh, or I have kids, and I can't leave that out on a table, or whatever it might be, but. There are literally everything from like 12 piece puzzles up to, you know, the 1500 plus pieces. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the again, just like board games, you can try them out from the library. You can try out these puzzles and kind of see if you like it or what's maybe too challenging or difficult. Um, but puzzles have that way of being able to... Uh, in multiple sittings become you work on it solo one day you have a friend come over the next and you can if you have it you know you have a special place you can leave it out then you just can kind of plug away at this um like that and i think that's a really unique format and more and more people are realizing that like it is accessible as a game it doesn't have that learning curve it's also like meditative too or yeah. it can like spark conversation or there can even be because we have a tradition uh new year's eve me and my friends get together we do a murder mystery solving jigsaw puzzle oh cool. where someone reads through a well me i read through the murder mystery and uh as you assemble the jigsaw puzzle it gives you clues to solve it Wow. That's so cool. it kind of, it can, it's both a shared experience kind of a thing, but also it's a different way to kind of do a, a jigsaw. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to mention, it sounds a lot like Quezzle. I got a Quezzle uh, game last year, and it is a four-part puzzle. So that is um, part puzzle, part, uh, like, part, like, part board game where you go on quests and there's little newspapers which makes me think of Sherlock <laughs> Kelly I'm looking at you yes. um, there's little newspapers that have clues in it to help you solve the puzzles there's like puzzles within the puzzle um, <laughs> so it. <laughs> and it is also beautiful and the pieces are laser cut wood 
Um, and so it's just so far, you know, I've I've only gotten one of the four puzzles done. Um, but it's I think for me it's meditative. Like, okay, I just want to sit and just do nothing else, put on a record, listen to some music, hang out with my cats, just look yeah. at this beautiful game. Um, and I think more and more people are realizing that about puzzles. Heck yeah. We should have you all back uh, for another episode of sequel to the gaming. Uh, this gaming episode, you can all report back on some more games you've done. Uh, Absolutely, we should all play a game together. Yeah. Ooh, like and do a games. do a review. Or the next yeah. podcast is uh, just us playing the a game. audio of playing a game. Us playing a game. <laughs> you know, there's some games that are like very much a like playing werewolf. Very, very. You know, it's all about conversation. It oh, could is it? totally be done as a podcast thing. I've had my mind blown. I've heard that there is instructions. The game. I've heard that there's <laughs> mushrooms. The game. And now there's conversations. The game. Love it. It's all about figuring out who amongst you is a werewolf. So it's all about pointing the finger at each other and figuring out who killed your friend at the table. It's it's, it's good time. <laughs> That was my chat with Everett and Aaron from the youth department and Kelly from the circulation department talking about gaming. Our library carries games and I'm sure a lot of public libraries out there are circulating games. Could be a great opportunity for you to try one out. This has been A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And the music that you hear at the beginning and end of each of these episodes is by a local musician named John Duffy. If you want to support this podcast, go to ferndalefriends.org, or you could rate, review, or follow us, leave a comment, or tell a friend about us. If you learned a lot about gaming here today and you want to pass this episode on, please share it to social media. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening.